0: SCJ Summit 2016 is coming to Santa Monica, Chicago, and New York City. With a focus on actionable marketing for SEOs, by SEOs, SEJ Summit is a can't-miss event. Get $50 off your ticket now by using the code Nerd. Learn more at searchenginejournal.com slash Summit
1: 2016
0: Welcome to Marketing Nerds. I'm Caitlin Ruling, social producer here at Search Engine Journal, and today we're joined by Jim Dixo of Sunday Sky to chat about the line between cool versus creepy and content personalization. At Sunday Sky, they transform the relationship between brands and customers through personalized video. As president of Sunday Sky, Jim drives the go-to marketing strategy, sales execution, business development, and revenue growth for the company. Thanks so much for being here, Jim.
1: Thanks, Caitlin, for having me.
0: So while content personalization is good because it provides each customer with individualized treatment, there is a fine line between this individual focus and creepiness. Um, To jump right in, could you first explain a little bit about content personalization in general? Like, why are more and more brands starting to focus on this?
1: Uh, One of the things we've identified in our conversations with with most large brands is that they've come to realize that customer intimacy is becoming ever more the the, the strategic, competitive uh, means of of how they want to differentiate their business. Um, And and as part of that, being able to understand more about the individual wants, needs, and behaviors of the prospects and customers that they're looking to work with requires them to be able to deliver a, a more personalized experience as a means of acquiring them in the first place and then also retaining retaining and growing that relationship over time
0: okay Um, So when I was doing some research for this episode, I saw a stat from Recode.net that said 74% of consumers think that it's okay for companies to offer these personalized coupons based on purchase history. Um, So people are, you know, they really enjoy this personalization online. They are starting to expect it. But how personalized is too personalized? How how do you cross that line?
1: Yeah, there are certain points in certain touch points, I'll say in the customer life cycle where customers absolutely expect deep personalization and then other areas where it's completely inappropriate to, to enable deep personalization. And I'll just kind of share some some concepts with you. So when I authenticate into my banks portal or my, my airline portal, um, I've got a transactional history and scheduled activities. And I expect them to have the entire experience personalized to me because it's my data. And that's the reason that I have a, a username and password. Um, if I come back to that same website and I don't authenticate, the fact that they may know me having been there before and they put uh, welcome back James in the upper right hand navigation Uh, But to get to that next level of personalization, I still need to enter my username and and password, seeing that they know who I am when I return. Again, I I would expect that and and actually feel good about that. Um, When a company pushes communications to me uh, via email or, or SMS, I've first opted into that. And second, you know, they, they have the information about me. So it is, again, relevant to me for them to deliver personalized communications. Um, however, if I'm on CNN watching a news article or a news story, uh, reading a news story or, or watching a news video, if they were to have a, a brand speak to me by name in that public uh, Internet, that that would be creepy because they don't have the <laughs> rights to do that and and they don't have my permission to do that. And that, that would cause, uh, I think that's where you start to get to that creepiness factor. So in, in those environments, personal relevance is good. Personalization is bad.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think you hit on like a really strong point right there uh, when you said that you have given them the permission to do it you know, I feel like because we log into so much now, we do expect that level of personalization. Like I want my brands to act like they know me. That's why I go to them. Um, and it's not so much like, it's kind of the mom and pop mentality online because I can't just go into a store and have my cashier know me anymore or online anyway. But, um, so I think that's really, really interesting. I've given them permission. Otherwise it's like, okay, how do you know this about me? I know that you can find it, but you're kind of stalking me.
1: Right. And, I heard a, a statement uh, from someone at one point where they said, if a brand is giving you a product or service for free, then you are the product. So uh-huh. you know where let's just say Google, right It doesn't cost me anything to search on Google. it they actually it doesn't cost me anything to use Google Docs. so there are a whole host of services that they're giving me for free that, um, historically, I have paid for or would pay for if it was a subscription service, but mm-hmm. the fact that they're giving it to me free of charge means they're now their business model is that they'll make money off of me, uh, and I've become the product. And for you know Facebook and Google and Twitter and uh, Instagram and all of the different you know social applications. That business model is built around the notion that the consumer is the product being sold to brands. And that's the reality of, of you know, people's acceptance of a free business model with, uh, with these companies.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, so what brands have you seen be really successful at this um, like kind of treading the line and not going into the creepy realm, but doing content personalization really well?
1: One of our customers is Atlantis Resorts in the Bahamas, and they're one that I would uh, highlight as a uh, very effective um, user of personalized information to, to try and engage their uh, prospective and, and uh, planned visitors. So if you book a trip to the Atlantis Resort, um, you know, you'll, you'll spend a fair amount of money You'll give them information about who's going, so is it a family or is it just adults? Um, You may share some interest of things that you'd want to do while you're there. And they have a a stream of communications, post-booking, pre-arrival, that are designed to help you get more out of your experience on the property. There's so much to do that they wanna make sure that people realize all of the opportunities available to them um, before they get there, and then while they're there. Um, additionally, they capture information about why you're going, and and in some cases what you did, and they use that as part of a follow up strategy. So, you know, so Atlantis, when you uh, when you book a trip there, and and let's say it's for an event, whether it's a birthday or whether you have your wedding there or whether you go there for your honeymoon, um, they know that's why you came. And then they have outbound communications um, in the subsequent years. So a uh, an anniversary or a birthday uh, communication that says you had a wonderful time here uh, four years ago for your honeymoon. We'd love to welcome you back for your anniversary, and here's a uh, here's a special promotion for uh, for for return visitors. And so it's. You know, it, it brings back a, a positive, hopefully a positive experience that I had while I was there for my, uh, for my honeymoon. And the fact that they are offering me a special promotion to come back and visit on my anniversary, that's a, that's a great touch. And it's, it, it drives real value.
0: Mm-hmm. And it shows like, especially for such an important moment and big vacations like that, because people are investing so much money, they feel nice to be remembered versus just like the random customer. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, so what is your like, top tip to help brands capitalize on personalization the right way?
1: Um, my, my number one tip would be to change the thinking from next best offer, which is a traditional marketing tactic where they want to propose an offer to a customer based on what they know about them, mm-hmm. um, to next best action. And sometimes that action is an offer. Uh, but oftentimes, that action is a proposed approach for how to get more value for money that you're already spending. So a simple example is a cable provider that has sold a customer uh, a TV package, and that uh, that package, or t- let's say TV and internet package, and that package includes uh, DVR and video on demand for the... Uh, for the TV and mobile Wi-Fi for the Internet, and they, they know whether or not I've ever watched a DVR movie or a video-on-demand uh, movie, or if I've used their Wi-Fi hotspots. If I haven't, then that's you know, likely that I'm a less sticky customer than if I did take full advantage of the package that was available to me. So if if you are communicating with a customer and you know that that customer has a value-added service in a package that they've never used, then the next best action would be to take advantage of that package and reduce the, uh, reduce the likelihood that the customer will not see value for money. And then if over time you, you recommend things to them, that don't cost them money but allow them to get more value from the money they're already spending, then when you're making the next best offer, that offer is going to be received in a much more friendly manner because they they see you as a value-added provider as opposed to a company that's only ever engaging you with uh, with sales, sales messages.
0: Mm-hmm. So would you suggest... Um, like, do you think the best way to do this um, content personalization, these marketing efforts, um, is like email marketing or integrated into the website? What do you think is the best platform to reach out to these customers?
1: Yeah, that's that's a great question because it comes down to contextual relevance. Um, for at least for our view and our experience and what we're seeing in the market, um, if you're pushing messages to the customer, then you've chosen. To engage them at a time of your choice, if you're the brand, and so it's it's not it's not time relevant to the individual because I know that there are you know a whole host of emails that I just delete now because I get so many of them that they've you know, just become noise. However, um, if I've taken the time to go to a website or to open up a company's app and log into that app, then I've chosen to engage you. And that's the best time for you to re-engage me with a more personalized message. So we absolutely believe that uh, it is is most relevant when the, the person has chosen to come to you. If you're a cable company, it's when someone turns on their television because it's uh, that's a channel you know it's a, an engaging point in time where you can deliver you know, relevant personalized content yeah
0: well, so on that, what are the um, what are the things that as a brand we should avoid? what makes us jump over that line maybe not way over the line, but just a little bit too personalized
1: yeah the, the first one I shared before is you know if you're if you're in the public domain and, as a as a or the consumers in the public domain I should say and the brand communicates to them with personal data first name being one of them but you know other personal data that's clearly over the line and and it's not not only creepy it's you, know, you you've you violated trust which is uh which is very very difficult to uh to 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 get back um you know there are you know, there are areas where it's not so much that you avoid it, but the relative value of, of doing it is um, is more marginal than in, in other areas.
0: Okay. So one of the first examples I think of when it comes to reaching the side of creepy and content personalization is the target story. So um, if you guys all don't know um, this story, several years ago, Target mailed baby-related offers to a teenage girl. Um, Her father was obviously outraged um, because they started showing up at his house. Um, However, it turned out that the girl really was pregnant. So Target had determined this by tracking her purchase behavior, which they do for all of their customers. They have a really interesting system for it um, that I've read up on some. Um, But this company then leverages the data to predict things about you. Um, In this case, Target made a huge mistake by over-personalizing. So you mentioned that um, it's really hard to gain back that trust when you, you know, cross over that line to creepy. Um, so how do you win customers back when you cross that line?
1: That's a that's a great question. Um, candidly, we haven't, you know, we haven't focused our, our efforts on that. Most of our focus is how do you do it right the first time um, that's good. to make sure that the engagement, like we we think about what we do as personalized video storytelling. So we, we tell a story to an individual in video, which is the best storytelling medium that exists. And we aim to do so with data about them to ensure personal relevance and and personalized content. Um, so the the idea though, if if you've if you've in that example with Target, um, you've lost the trust of that individual customer because of that uh, that situation. But moreover, it then became a public relations issue, and so trying to win back customers' trust on the back of that uh, public relations issue is a, a much, much, much bigger, bigger challenge.
0: And I think that that's a good point um, because a lot of times in marketing we tend to get siloed, and I think that that shows the importance. Because hopefully, you know, your company never has a crisis situation like that. But the importance of having that open line of communication between PR, between marketing, between social, um, is obviously really, really important because then you might get a word ahead of time, like PR being like, hey, I don't know if that whole system is such a good idea on the PR standpoint. Um, But it's also just good to have relationships with them if something does happen like that.
1: Absolutely. Mm -hmm.
0: So... um, What is – I guess marketers are entering a realm where they need to send the message like, hey, I've been there. I know how that feels. Let me help you um, in content personalization. So are there any tools or just last-minute tips that you'd recommend to help learn more about our customers so we can better do this as brands?
1: Um, So – like specifically functional tools to, to learn more about customers. Um, not, not so much a, an area where I can comment. What I can say though, is that, uh, personalization, uh, content personalization should take advantage, not just of what you know about the profile of the person. So, you know, that I'm a, a married father of two, uh, that's reached a you know, mid forties, which is my, my personal profile but to know more about my past behavior. So if I'm, you know, if I'm the customer of a cable company, as I shared earlier, and I have certain, uh, certain ways that I use my cable package, um, having the cable provider know that and be able to personalize content and recommendations to me that would allow me to get more value from what I already have uh, I think is critical. So the, the key question for a lot of uh, service-based companies is how do you unlock the, uh, the, the transactional utilization? So if you're a credit card company, how do you mine the, the transactional database so that you can recognize that I only ever use my certain credit card for travel-related purchases and then be able to deliver me personalized content that recommends that I, you know, did I know that I could get uh, 3, 3x bonus miles for using my credit card for purchasing groceries and gasoline? And so for, for me as an individual, there is a value proposition that the, they understand that I haven't been doing something that I maybe should want to do. And so they're they're presenting me a message that's value added to me, and and so I want to hear that message, and the only way they can do that is by unlocking uh, my transactional history, not just my personal profile. You know whether I'm a you know middle aged man or whether whether I'm a soccer mom or, or or otherwise, which is a lot of what the personalization is today is segment based personalization. Uh, but we think about taking it to the next level of, of structuring your transactional data in such a way that you can also take it to the next level of depth and deliver one-to-one messaging that is uh, contextually and personally relevant to me at that moment in time.
0: Okay. Well, awesome. I think you just gave me so much information. Um, it's such an interesting realm to me. Like I've, I've read about it and, but haven't worked in depth in, um, content personalization. And so I was really excited to, to talk about this. Um, I think it's something that, I mean, we all notice just whether we're a consumer or whether we work in marketing, um, or content marketing. Um, so I thank you so much for joining me to chat about this today.
1: it's my pleasure. I, uh, I, it's, it's, a, it's a topic that I have uh, deep, deeply personal feelings about, so uh, I appreciate the, appreciate the opportunity to share them.
0: Oh, yeah. Those are always the best guests who really <laughs> enjoy the
1: topic. <laughs> awesome. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you. Bye. Now. Thank you
0: so much for tuning into Marketing Nerds. Our guest today was Jim Dixo, the president of Sunday Sky. You can learn more about them at sundaysky.com. As always, you can tweet us with any questions or comments at hashtag marketingnerds. Thanks to everyone who's left a rating or a review on iTunes. They really do help others discover the show. We'll see you next week. This Marketing Nerds podcast has been brought to you by Search Engine Journal. For more news, interviews, and how-to
1: guides from marketing experts from around the world, visit us at searchenginejournal.com.